everybody, and welcome to That's Light, where we are back from Pesach. And ironically enough, I work with a guy who just went to pick himself up lunch and came back with matzo and cream cheese. No comment. Good morning, folks. Thanks for listening. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, general manager here at the Nahum Siegel Network. You can find me here right after Allison, right before Nahum's live lunch. It is the pride of Yusuf him, himself, the owner of a fresh, I use that word in quotation mark, marks, box of matzah and a brand new tub of Tempty. Good morning, Yoni. Matzah, matzah, matzah. <laughs> I'm not saying that matzah and cream cheese do not have their place in society 365 days a year, but I'm just thinking but, you might want to wait a week. No, I'm going to ride the wave. It's momentum. I'm going to go with it until my body says enough yeah, of the matzah. I can't believe your body hasn't said that yet. My body knows that like every 365 days, there's an eight-day span of a lot of matzah. It's prepared for it already. Oh, now. okay. So now you're weaning it off because you're, you know entering other things into the body and yeah. so it's a little bit better you so you're having a you had a bagel for breakfast and matzo and cream cheese for lunch isn't that what everyone does that's the most abnormal thing i've ever heard nope nope not in the life of yoni palaks how was your yontif great i mean we did speak yesterday on bite size yeah. and that was fun and i told you about what we did and whatever but besides the 72 um astro games that you went to <laughs> while you were in houston which is ironic because you're only there for 10 days so how you got it in really se- worked out how well. you got in 72 games i don't know <laughs> it really worked but out um well. you had a good time everything was good yeah and i'm happy to say i i brought back warmer weather for the weekend yeah by the way it's going to be a schmoil here nope it, see i guess we define schmoil in different ways it's going to I saw one report this morning that said 80. I mean, yeah, maybe. That's a schmoil. What does the weather app say? Yeah, 78, 79. That's, that's way, that's out of my comfort it's zone. too much for you? It's out of my comfort zone. It's too zone. bad. I like the, the 50s are it's good. It's Sunday is going to drop at 20 degrees. So right, that's true. That's true. And by the way, we'd like to wish the seagulls a mazel tov. Yeah. And the is big that bar mitzvah. Yeah. No, that's this week. Huh? It is, that was mm. this week. It is a wonderful thing. Mazel tov. We should all share <laughs> smachot. Amen. Um, and a shout out to Avrami, who's back in Baltimore. He is not. Oh no, he is here. I'm so silly. He's in the other room. I'm just. You, you know Sorry, what? Robbie. Yeah, you know what the problem is? I read my script from last week. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, you should change that. I should you change keep going. that up. That's true. That's true. I should change it up, and uh, make sure to update that a little bit. Yeah, that was. Because everyone's going to be like, that those are the holidays this week. Right. Let's, yeah, let's go Let's go to the holidays. That's pretty funny. Let's go to the holidays. Anyway, uh, today's national holiday is Celebrate Teen Literature Day, which evidently is always the Thursday of Library Week. And yes, it is National Library Week. For those of you who don't know what a library is, it's a big building that has actual books. And on in, in the books are, are pages with words. I know. It's a crazy concept. You don't have to read things on your phones, folks. You can go to the library and take a book out of the library. And actually, for those people who have never taken your children to the library, do so. It really is a wonderful experience, and it's an experience that people should not give up. Um, It's also Grilled Cheese Day. Yeah, it's Grilled Cheese Sandwich Day, and the Wallach children don't know that, don't know this, but we will be celebrating that this evening at in our household. It's also National Licorice Day, something I will never participate in. It's Walk on Your Wild Side Day, which probably most people in the studio would prefer I do not participate in. And of course, here, it is Yom HaShoah, which is frankly the only day of the national holidays that is of any importance to us here at That's Life and the Nachum Siegel Network. Nachum presented a full 
JM in the AM this morning, um, complete with a number of very notable guests, including Mrs. Ruth Lichtenstein from Hamodia, who's also from Project Witness, of course, Leon Goldenberg as well, um, who is a community organizer and well-known speaker, um, who certainly has a major influence, and we, we thank him for and, and Mrs. Lichtenstein, of course, for their continued support. Um, and I... Um, I'm going to present my own Yom HaShoah program here at That's Life today, and I am honored to be joined by Sally Schatzkis. Before I introduce Sally, I'd like to thank both Joe Blumenthal and Mrs. Rochi Winkler of Yeshiva Flatbush for making this interview happen. Uh, the way this all evolved is actually quite ironic, um, but I'm thrilled to to welcome Sally to the program today and to introduce her to our listeners. Sally Schatzkis is a registered drama therapist and a licensed creative arts therapist. She has worked for over a decade in the drama therapy field, innovating innovating creative arts-based counseling programs at the Yeshiva Flatbush and spearheading creative approaches in Jewish education at multiple other institutions. She piloted the first Witness Theater Program in New York in 2012 at the Yeshiva Flatbush and continues to work as the lead drama therapist for the program, training other drama therapists to facilitate the program in different locations. Ms. Schatzkis is a noted lecturer and educator whose work has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, the Daily News, the Forward, and the New York Times. And in 2017, Ms. Schatzkis was recognized as one of the Jewish Week's 36 Under 36 for her work with Witness Theater, and I am thrilled to invite her and to introduce her to you today. Good morning, Sally. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me. And I, I, I truly, I, I'm truly excited to have you on today um, because not only have, have you turned out to be exactly the person <laughs> that I was looking for, even though I didn't know that you were there, um, but the shidduch that evolved. Uh, the fortuitousness, so to speak, that evolved between my contacting Joe Blumenthal, his turning to Rochi Wickler, and she inviting me or introducing me to you has worked out totally in my favor and in the favor of my listeners. So I thank you very much for making the time. I'm so glad. I really believe in those Bashar non coincidences in our lives. Yeah, this and is. Witness Theater happens to be one of those in my life as well. Well, I, I want to hear about Witness Theater, but before we do that, I want to explain to everyone what the premise was and why I reached out in the first place. Sure. Yes, yes, today is Yom HaShoah, and it is Holocaust Remembrance Day, and it is obviously an, an important time in the life of not only every Jew, but frankly, every humane individual on the planet. And. I have struggled as a parent and frankly as a child and as a student as well um, with how we remember the Holocaust in our schools. And I have wondered over the years, and I spent 15 years in the classroom, so I have my own classroom experience before turning into before turning to a second career. But I have wondered both as a student and as a parent and as a teacher whether we are doing Holocaust education well. And I have worked in excellent institutions, reputable institutions in the New York area. And I still struggle with that question. And so I wanted to speak to someone who, who number one, can answer that question for me. And number two, is doing Holocaust education well? 
And so with that, Sally, I thank you for joining me officially this morning. And I ask you the following question. Do you think we as a whole are doing Holocaust education well? Well, firstly, I have to say that we're at a really pivotal moment in history because the survivor generation is fading away. So we can't be sure um, if we are doing it right. Um, we can only make the greatest effort that we can make right now. And of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. But I believe that there are some really beautiful creative programs, Witness Theater included, out there that are really um, getting their finger right on point of Holocaust education in today's day. Um, I remember as a kid, as a student, going to these Holocaust programs and leaving feeling completely gutted um, and unable to face the rest of my day because we had seen these photos of emaciated skeletons and listened to really sad music. And we were just kind of opened up um, to these emotions, flooded with emotions, and then had to go back to class. And what I found over the years is that the attendance at these programs was dwindling, perhaps because it left the audience almost re-traumatized mm. by the content of the Holocaust and with nowhere to put that. So I believe that it's really important when it comes to educating our youth today to give them some kind of, some kind of outlet, some kind of opportunity for creative expression based on the input. So we're giving them a lot of input. The Holocaust is very intense, very heavy input, and we need to allow for some kind of output um, and for some kind of expression, something that they can do some kind of initiative that they can take on with the intense content that they're receiving. That's an incredible point. And, and you actually bring up something else that didn't occur to me, even though it's it's basically sitting right in front of my face, is that, yes, the, the, the our generation of survivors is dwindling. And so we have a different almost responsibility now than as adults than we did as kids. And, and so we can't, uh, and this is, if I'm right, then this would be a great, a great answer for me almost personally. We can't do Holocaust generation today like it was done when we were kids because the, no, absolutely. there we go. Cause the, the, the circumstances are so different that our responsibility now is different. And so our approach to Holocaust education must change as well. Absolutely. And, and you hear all the time, second generation kids of, of Holocaust survivors had a very different experience. They, and many times I'll have children of survivors say, oh, I grew up with this. And in the same sentence, they'll say, we never talked about it. Mm. So, so we have to kind of find that balance of allowing it to permeate our community, but also giving a, a way, a structure for us to talk about it. Um, and we're not going to be hearing from the eyewitnesses anymore. So it really is up to us to take initiative and create these programs and opportunities for Holocaust education and not, not inundate the youth, but at the same time not 
push it under the carpet because it's too intense. Right. So that's also our approach to things today. And by today, I mean, you know, not just 2018, but uh, but in the in the last number of years, is that we want to talk about things. We encourage people to talk about circumstances and situations that would otherwise be that are incredibly difficult and challenging to put into words and to speak about, but yet we understand because of what we understand about human nature and the mind and the body and and mental health, that talking about difficult situations is part of the healing process. Absolutely. And I would take it even to another level, which maybe is my own personal plug for drama therapy. But drama therapy is a way to look at our own stories, our own trauma, our own experiences, and take them and do something with them. So not just to talk about them and look at them, but then to create some kind of self-expression, some kind of creative self-expression with our own experiences. So it's really processing and then taking it to another level of expression. So let's talk about what drama therapy is and how you got into it in the first place. So drama therapy is psychology through the lens of theater. So we're doing therapy and counseling, but we're using theatrical vehicles like script writing, um, puppetry, role-playing, videography, all kinds of different theatrical techniques, costumes. Um, we We work in different ways depending on the clientele, but it's a, a way to, it's a strength-based um, technique, and we, we do focus on how to take our experiences and our trauma and move forward into the future in a productive and healthy way. And you got into it how? I mean, you were a kid who was into drama in the first place. and yes. <laughs> yes, I was a kid who was into drama. I was always um, in Ruchi Winkler's plays in the high school. <laughs> and when I got to Israel for my year in seminary, I joined this, uh, this drama program, this little kind of drama workshop hole-in-the-wall place. And as I went through my year with this weekly workshop, I I discovered that it was extremely therapeutic for me and that actually it had always been therapeutic for me throughout high school and really contributed to my own self-growth. And I thought drama is inherently therapeutic. It teaches us all kinds of life skills, collaboration, active listening, um, partnerships, responsibility, humility, all kinds of great uh, life skills. And since it's inherently therapeutic, let's create a field called drama therapy. And then, of course, I Googled it. This is when Google had just started, and I discovered that it actually was a field and that there was a master's in drama therapy at NYU. So when I got to college, I called up the master's program and I said, tell me what I need to do for the next four years because that's what I'm going to do. I must get into this master's program for drama therapy. This is what I want to do with my life. That's incredible. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. And Sally Schatzkis joins joins us today. She is a drama therapist, a creative arts therapist, and she is the founder. Can I call you the founder of Witness Theater? 
I wouldn't say founder. I would say I'm the first therapist and the first drama therapist to pilot this program here in New York. I don't know. Founder is a much tighter title. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but the program was actually conceived by Irid and Ezra Dagan in Israel some 20 years ago. And actually, very interestingly, um, apropos of what we're speaking of, Irid Dagan, who's a drama therapist, was a child of survivors, and her whole life she never could listen to her parents' stories because they were too heartbreaking. And as her parents got older, she realized that if she didn't listen to the stories, then they would be gone forever. So she created this dramatic, this concept, this drama therapy concept of listening to the stories and creating a production out of the stories. So like I said, there was input, but now there was going to be output. So that was a long time ago, and she's been doing the program in Israel, and self-help community services brought this program over in partnership with UJA brought this program over to to New York because we are the second biggest population of survivors here in the world. You know, Israel is the first and, and New York is the second. And so I piloted this program as the first drama therapist in 2012 at Yeshiva of Lapish, Joel Brabham High School. Um, and, and now we've expanded to multiple different sites. And the idea is to touch as many survivors as we can while we still can. So necessity is the mother of invention, and she realized that if she was not going to find or, or come up with the, the, the method, the vehicle by which to retell her parents' stories, that they would be lost as well. Absolutely. Incredible. I want to give a shout-out to the Yeshiva of Flatbush. I know that you are you're the head of the drama department. I'm a faculty member in the drama department, but I would say I'm the only drama therapist in the in the school. Okay, the drama therapist at the Yeshiva Flatbush, but also you play a pivotal role in drama at Camp Morasha. Yes, that's correct. So I'd like to specifically give Yeshiva Flatbush a shout out. I, I will say first and foremost, I am not a Yeshiva of Flatbush alum, but I am certainly a huge admirer. There are a number of programs at the Yeshiva of Flatbush since I was a kid that have always been done well. And one of them is the 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 memorial or the the seriousness with which uh, Yom HaShoah is taken and has been taken at Yeshiva Flappish for as long as I can remember. You know, obviously, Yeshiva Flappish is known for its commitment to Israel. And so Yom HaTzma'ud was always a big day. And you knew which kids went to Flatbush because their Hebrew was impeccable. Kids who come out of the Yeshiva Flappish have an unbelievable grasp of the Hebrew language. And so that was also a telltale sign of, of a Flatbush kid and something else I truly admire, admire about the institution. But the, the, the care, the consideration, the seriousness with which Yeshiva Flatbush has always taken um, you know, a Holocaust education is, is something for which it has been known for generations. Absolutely. And I can tell you that we are, we are having packed houses for our shows we debuted last night at the Yeshiva, um, and we're going to put on a production as well on Sunday at the Museum of Jewish, Jewish Heritage. And our audiences, I would say they're both crying and laughing, and they're definitely leaving feeling uplifted, feeling a sense of hope, um, feeling that they've learned a lot about Holocaust, that they feel the Holocaust, they feel connected to these survivors that they're meeting. And they're walking out feeling that there is a positive spin on humanity and that there is hope and there is a future for our Jewish youth. 
So let's talk for a second about those Jewish youth. What is the process? How does it work for um, for witness theater? And how how does it start both for the Holocaust survivor and for the high school students? So witness theater is a year-long process. I recruit uh, my students. I take students only from 12th grade. I recruit my students in May and June after the the witness theater production of that year. I'm recruiting incoming seniors, and we choose 16 students. And over the summer, Self-Help Community Services, who are who is our absolute partner in everything we do, they recruit the survivors. We usually have anywhere from seven to 10 survivors who join these 16 to 18 students. And we meet every single week for two hours at a time, starting the first week of school. And we have dinner together every night and we follow this structure. It's a witness theater uh, model of therapeutic theater. And we spend the first six to seven weeks just getting to know each other. And I and that really sets the foundation for the relationships that are to come out of this program. Because obviously, you need to have some kind of really strong group cohesion and trust and a, and, and a positive dynamic in order to then share the stories in this intimate kind of way. And sh- the survivors are sharing their stories in ways they've never shared before because these students are coming in with open eyes and open ears and they're saying, I have two hours and all I want to do is listen to you tell your story. And that's a very powerful thing. And sometimes in many cases, actually, that's something that the survivors have never experienced in their entire lives. Hours and hours of young people who just want to listen to them. So that, that begins already seven weeks into the process. So the first six to seven weeks, we do a lot of theater games and we have a lot of laughter, a lot of shared experiences. And the goal is really to create a sense of group cohesion and also to warm them up to the idea of being storytellers and being active listeners. So no phones, no thinking about what's outside of the room, just being completely engaged and listening in an active way, which means that you have questions at the end after you've listened. So we do a lot of theater games that are based in storytelling and listening. And at the same time, I'm warming them up to what will eventually be a production, getting them kind of to step out of their comfort zone, experience a little bit of acting and role playing and script writing. So we do that for seven weeks. And then the bulk of our our months of our program is dedicated to sharing the testimonies, which we transcribe, we record and transcribe, and the students meet in small groups first and hear the stories. I'll have two students paired with one survivor to hear a part of their story, and then we have a larger group sharing. So everybody gets to tell their story in a small group, and then everybody gets to share it out loud with the larger group. And we go chronologically different. We go from one chapter in their lives to the next chapter. So we're not getting it all in one week. It's shared over the course of many weeks. And the students really act as as guides for these survivors to tell their story and help them remember and ask them questions that gets them to share things that they've never shared before. And the performance, right, I'm sorry, the the performance is the culmination of all of the stories together or it's one? Yes. So what happens is that uh, over winter vacation, 
I take all the stories that we've heard and all the transcripts and all the extra information that the students have have gotten from home visits and phone calls and extra time that they've spent outside of our regular sessions because they do spend a lot of time with them outside of our sessions. And I take all that information and I write a script for a production, usually with a theme, um, because we can't tell everybody's full life story. Right. So I'll select certain scenes that we're going to put up on the stage and bookend it with this kind of undercurrent of their relationships with the students. So we want to, the goal for our production is to show the stories, but also to share our relationships that we have formed over the course of the year. And then once we come back from winter vacation in the beginning of February, we move into rehearsal phase. And every week we're coming together and instead of sharing testimony, we are rehearsing. And then we obviously move into production mode in uh, right before Passover and then right after Passover for Yom HaShoah. And, the pro- and each time we meet together, we get closer and closer. And the pro- I, I can't I can only imagine because the the, yeah. pro- the process itself um, seems you know incredibly intense, but also very um, very very much scaffolded in a way to ensure everyone's success, both the high school participants and the Holocaust survivors. And while I am sure that they, the, the success of last night, and, and again, this Sunday, correct, at the Museum of Jewish... Correct, at the museum at 2 p.m. Right, at the Museum of Jewish Heritage this Sunday at 2 p.m. If you were not able to join um, the production or see the production last night at the Yeshiva Flappish, you can see it this Sunday at the Museum of Jewish Heritage in Battery Park at 2 p.m. Um, but I, I imagine that without this careful scaffolding and 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 structure, all of the high school students would not be able to make it through the full year, and all the Holocaust survivors would not be able to make it through this process as well. So I I, I have to, unfortunately, we are out of time, but I have to credit you and the the founders of the program, you know, the the real, you know, the official founders (laughs) of, (laughs) of the program with the the incredible forethought and consideration that was taken in planning this both from the beginning to the middle to the end in order to make sure that what is presented is not only the best possible production, but also is uh, completely honors the, the stories of these, of the survivors. Absolutely. Let me tell you, going back full circle to when we first started this interview Holocaust education, the future of Holocaust education must include safety, containment, structure, and a creative outlet for expression. And that's the scaffolding that you're referring to in Witness Theater. Beautiful. Uh, Sally, I'm, I'm so overwhelmed by this project and by your work. I... I thank you on behalf of parents whose children have the opportunity to participate in your program. My kids do not go to the Yeshiva Flatbush, but um, but if they did, I, I'm sure they would be touched. And um, I, but they are Morasha kids, so I am familiar with your work, and I thank you very much for bringing this, you know, this to light here in the New York area. Um, I wish you and Witness Theater complete Hatzlacha in in all of your endeavors, and I hope you'll be in touch and let us know how things are going for next year. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Absolutely. My pleasure.
Oh, you've been listening to That's Life here at the Nahum Siegel Network. I'm completely floored by the incredible nature of that project. Again, if you were not able to be at the Yeshiva Flatbush last night, there will be an encore presentation of Witness Theater this Sunday at the Museum of Jewish Heritage at 2 p.m. You can go on their website for more information. You can also email me, Miriam at NahumSiegel.com. I will try and get you all the information. <clears throat> Excuse me. I can get you all the information as well. Uh, we have a full afternoon programming for you right after That's Life. It's a live lounge hosted by Nahum Siegel and the afternoon continues with a full afternoon of programming throwback thursday at 1 p.m and the encore of jm rewind at 4 p.m and of course the arab shabbos show hosted by mark zomik at 7 p.m we're going to bring up the music in the background because um i went so long on my interview i just i couldn't stop talking to sally i have to be honest so the next time we speak, folks, it'll please God be, be Yom Hatzmot, which means that I will have missed speaking to you on Yom Hazikaron, and therefore I would um, I ask you to enjoy this unbelievable rendition of the Tefillah for the Chayalim, the Tefillah for Tzahal. This is a Shai Abramson production. I know we, we've, we've likened his voice to other incredible singers with whom we are familiar, but this is Shai Abramson. Tomorrow morning, join Nahum as he hosts JM in the AM from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. And at the conclusion of JM in the AM, join Naomi for an encore presentation of Table for Two. And stay tuned as you enjoy the encore presentation of Thursday night's Kedem Erev Shabbos show. Again, that'll start at 10 a.m. It's hosted by Mark Zamek, and it's brought to you by our friends at Kedem. Then after that, as if there is nothing more to offer, we do have more. It's the Erev Shabbos Music Mix, also brought to you by our friends at Kedem that continues up until candlelighting here in the New York area. Arami hosts Saturday Night Seagull this month's Shabbos. Matzis hosts JM Sunday starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. It is also Rosh Chodesh this Sunday, so we bench Rosh Chodesh this Shabbos. And as I mentioned, Yom HaZikron is next Wednesday. Yom Ma'ut is next Thursday. And this is the tefillah for the Chayalim of Eretz Yisrael. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys. Bechol maase yedehem 
ידבר שונאינו תחתיהם, ויעדרם בכתר ישועה, ובעטרת ניצחון, ויקוים בהם הכתוב, כי אדוני אלוהיכם, ההולך עמכם. 